That one, year number four. It's a yank on the footy with Craig Wessels. Let's all sit back and enjoy a chat about the greatest game on the face of the earth. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 219 of A Yank on the Footy. I'm Craig Wessels coming to you from Sandusky, Ohio, and thanks for checking out the episode. In just a moment, we'll be diving into another one of my most memorable game series uh, episodes, and I'll be sitting down with Drew Denholm to chat about a game that just might mean more to Australians than any other game outside of a grand final. But before I do that and we jump into the episode, I did want to take a moment to comment on some content from previous episodes of the podcast. Now, as many of you know, uh, current Essendon AFLW star Jess Wushner, who previously played with Brisbane back in 2017 through the first 2022 season, um, great player, just wonderful to watch her compete. Uh, but back in January of 2020, she was working her other job besides being a uh, player for Brisbane. She was working as a stevedore at the docks in Brisbane. And most of you have probably heard this story. But she was struck by lightning while she was at work. And only a few days later, she was back at training with the club. And I was fascinated by this story. And I, and I mentioned in an episode, and I know I mentioned it in passing many, many other times, that I, I thought that she was the toughest person on the planet because she worked in two jobs that are very difficult. Professional athlete, a lot of physical contact, and working as a stevedore, you know, working in the docks is, is well, is a very difficult position. Uh, and like I said, I, I, I referred to her as the toughest person on the planet because she was doing both of these things and then she was back at work at her other job so quickly after that. And, and I still feel that way. And in no way were my comments that I made initially there intended to minimize the incident or the impact that it had on her. Now, just in the last few days, she has been discussing just how deeply the, the impact of the lightning strike had on her and her mental health. And I'm, I'm not going to get into all of the specifics or I will link to an article that I read. Uh, but I had no idea that she had been impacted the way that she did. And, and while I don't know if she ever heard the comments or has listened to the podcast, uh, they were intended to pay tribute to somebody that I think is an amazing athlete that was you know, also working one of the toughest jobs out there. So if my comments, if she happened to have heard them, or if my comments came off to anyone as being insensitive, I want to sincerely apologize for that. I, this was not my intent by any stretch of the imagination. I wish Ms. Wushner the absolute best going forward in her career. Um, and if you look at the show notes in almost every episode of the podcast, you're going to find that I do devote quite a bit of space to mental health issues, uh, providing contact numbers and that sort of thing for somebody who might need to get in touch with somebody and speak to somebody, whether it be here in the United States or in Australia. Um, and I do this for a couple of reasons. One, because I started doing it with COVID when people were dealing with being locked down and stuck away and sequestered at their homes um, and having battled depression myself a couple of decades ago. So 
Again, I'm, I'm truly sorry if my comments that I made several times over the last couple of years when I thought she was, you know, the toughest person on the planet. And I, like I said, I still think that. But they were not intended to come off as insensitive. And if they did come off as being thoughtless, I'm sorry. I have the utmost respect for her and what she does. And I found her most recent uh, revelations to be absolutely compelling. And, and like I said, I wish her all the best. And if this was, you know, if this had been something that, that was considered offensive, I am sorry about that because that was not my intent. So, folks, don't forget that if you are interested in having your local footy club getting a shout-out during an upcoming episode, be sure to drop me a note via email or send me a message over on Facebook or on Twitter, Instagram. You can also send me a message on my website, eankofthefooty.com. I love being able to highlight these clubs. Also, again, if you've got a memorable game, one that you'll just never get out of your mind, please reach out. Okay, I would love to talk to you about that. I've got uh, another uh, discussion I'm going to be having very soon with uh, Donnie Hess. Um, from the Des Moines Moines Roosters here in the United States to talk about his, you know, drop me a note via email, yankinthefootygmail.com. I would love to, like I said, chat with you about that. So uh, today's club of the episode are the Quinn's District's Mighty Bulls. And the Bulls were founded in the year 2000, and they play their games at Ridgewood Park, which is in the northern Perth suburbs. And like I said, they've been around for a little over 20 years, and they've got six clubs from the league to women's to master's. Uh, in their short 22 history, they have won six premierships across the different comps, with the most recent one being the 2019 league premieres. And my guest, Drew Denholm, uh, his children played for the Bulls for quite a few years. So there's the connection with this episode. So let's go ahead and jump into my chat with Drew Denholm. We're going to talk about a game that uh, most of you probably remember. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am very excited to welcome my guest to the podcast. He is joining me to continue our most memorable game series, and I'm really excited to chat about this game, not only because of the game itself, but because of the meaning behind what this game uh, signifies. And what's really, really interesting is we're actually in the same time zone, which does not happen very often for this podcast. I'm usually up in the middle of the night or early in the morning or whatever, I am thrilled to welcome Drew Denholm to the podcast. Drew, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. My pleasure. You know, it's, uh, you know, we, we traded messages uh, on, uh, on social media and then I had a bit of a brain fade and didn't get back in touch with you for a few days and just, you know, you know during the holidays. And I, I wanted to get back with you because the game we're going to be talking about you know, the, the overarching theme of what this game means is, is one that I just, I, I think is awesome. And it's, uh, the reverence that's, uh, that's associated with it is something that, that I think that, that all Australians, I think have, have come to love, you know, after there having been a long time of, of things not going on here, but, uh, we're going to be talking about the, uh, original Anzac Day game in 1995 and I have the breakdown I have the score sheet from the game here with me as well so I've got that printed out in front of me um and it was one heck of a game as well but uh for people who are listening around the world what does what does Anzac Day mean to Australians and also to New Zealanders um so Anzac Day is basically our Memorial Day equivalent Mm -hmm. for Americans um and and um yeah australia and new zealand 
both went to Gallipoli um, in Turkey. They were deployed by the English commanders, um, basically to an unwinnable fight um, right at the start of the First World War in, I think it was 1915. So that being the case, um, it's, it's, that, it's that commemoration of pretty much we refer to the Anzac spirit in Australia and that is, you know, putting up a fight regardless of the odds and sticking it out. Um, and they, I guess they battled it out to a draw is, is as good as I could say about it. Um, but they, they landed to gunfire and never got away from it the entire time till they retreated from that, that battle. So it's, it's what Australians and New Zealanders bonded over as two separate, very young countries. Right, right. It's, and, and as you said, they were, you know, when we were talking off air that they were kind of, you know, and, and you even mentioned they were kind of under the direction of the, the, the British military yeah. at that time. Um, yeah, and they've got, a, you know, I, th I think that there's a little bit more independence there now than there had previously been. But uh, it's, it's uh, as you said, it was a, a tough situation. And I, I talked to you off air about uh, somebody who was referenced in a previous episode uh, that was at Gallipoli, uh, a young man by the name of Billy Singh, who I was just Googling again. Uh, and he had confirmed uh, over 150 kills at Gallipoli as a sniper there. And they believe it might have been upwards of 200 uh, during that that battle. Um, just and you know, this is a, you know, a young man who was, you know, certainly worthy of, of the, uh, the, the respect that, that he gets from somebody that I mentioned to you before. But it is it is a day of, of reverence. It's it's a somber day. Um, and I understand, you know, why there's that had been that reluctance, you know, for a game that had been around for well over a century before the game we're going to be talking about. It was not something that that people wanted to maybe distract themselves from. That they wanted to have this be the you know the the, the time where you're having the, you know the pomp and circumstance and and paying tribute and homage to people who, you know, who had fought and had lost their lives. Um, and I, I guess I need to ask this question because I don't know. I, I don't know this one. You know, here in the United States, we have, you know, we have Memorial Day. And we have Veterans Day. You know, two similar, you know, Veterans Day is kind of the armistice uh, day, you know, November 11th, you know, the, the armistice of, of the, the First World War. Um, does Australia also honor veterans on like a separate day because yeah, the memorial day is kind of like for the, the the soldiers who did not you know kind of paying tribute did not survive battle yeah it's become um a tribute to all of the servicemen okay. that have served okay. in each war and there's marches and mm -hmm. and that down the street and, and current day servicemen as well um and we and we do also do veterans day or armistice day in australia okay. on november the 11th at the same time okay so, Okay, well, that, that was something I was not sure about. So I'm I'm glad I'm glad that I asked about that. Then, so, um, you know, there were, um, yeah, some things that I thought that were interesting. You know, that like I said, they avoided Anzac Day because, uh, you know, the games in the in the VFL used to all get played on Saturdays before mm -hmm. the you know the, before the game grew. And in in 1959, as I was doing a little bit of digging today, um, Anzac Day happened to fall on a Saturday. So rather than playing the games on say friday 
or Sunday, which I think that there probably would have been a little bit of a clash with the religious leaders in Australia to maybe at that time to move the games to Sunday. They just they basically took a bye week and took that week off and didn't play any games on that yeah. that Anzac Day in 1959. Um, I'm not sure if that happened in subsequent Saturdays. Yeah. Through through towards the 80s, I do remember the odd Anzac Day games being played, but they were also mm-hmm. playing Friday nights and Sundays by then. So right, right, yeah. Because I I I don't think with all the TV money these days they would just simply say let's just have every, the entire comp take a week off. That's not. I don't think that's not, likely to not be that early in the season for sure. <laughs> not at all. So, um, so we're we're here to talk about the the 1995 game. So, you know, you uh, you shared with me a little bit about why this game means so much to you and tell us, tell us why this game is your most memorable game. There's a bunch of things really. Um, it's the first time I'd been with my, um, been out on a date sort of with my, um, current now my ex-wife, but, uh, the mother of my kids. Um, it's the, the, reverence that everybody showed a hundred thousand people being silent is a really powerful thing um there's also the fact that it was a draw um and and that that kick by savrock to to bring up that that score um and draw when i thought we'd we'd had that game won mm-hmm. a couple of times um yeah there's there's a lot of stuff that happened in that game that is memorable for me. We took a, a minivan full of um, teenagers, sixteen to twenty year olds. I was I was twenty at the time, nineteen at the time actually, and um, and we took a minivan into into the city to the MCG. We parked. We didn't have tickets. We got them at the got them at the window before the game, and wow, we're very lucky because they say twenty thousand people got locked out and couldn't get yeah. into that game. Yeah, from what um, I from I'm what not... I saw from what I saw there, it said there were like uh, twenty thousand people or so that that got chased away, if you will, by mounted police to get away from the stadium because they they weren't going to get in. Yeah, and and I know that we got in pretty into town pretty early, so we could get those tickets. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there were still people pouring into the ground after the bounce the first bounce of the game had happened. Wow! Wow! So. Yeah, you mentioned it. It was kind of a, a breakdown of half and half between bombers and and magpie supporters. And you yeah, had... I don't think I don't think anybody had any idea that that many people were going to turn up. Yeah, I mean it's and you know nowadays it's if it's unless it's you know unless it's a finals game, you're you're hard pressed to find a game that has a larger crowd than Anzac Day. I mean that's yeah, there might be a couple that are getting close. Yeah. Um, but but they're all they're all those big blockbuster Melbourne teams. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we we um, we went in half half of the busload was Collingwood supporters, half Essendon, and one Western Bulldogs supporter. Mm-hmm. And he, um, I think he ended up the the end of the day because being a Western Bulldogs supporter was probably pretty miserable at the time. Um, they hadn't had a lot of hadn't had a lot of. Uh, a lot to cheer about for quite a while right right since the 60s and um i think yeah. he left the game as a collingwood supporter okay um, and, and we almost had him but uh okay yeah well i was 
I was going to ask you about that because in the notes that you shared with me, you said that there was kind of a, a bet that was made uh, in terms of, yeah, well, go ahead and, and tell us what the bet was. So the bet was that the guys that followed Collingwood or Essendon, whoever's team lost had to walk home. And how far would that have been? Oh, it would have been 20, 20 kilometers probably. Wow. wow. So you can guarantee that they all would have caught the train. Okay. But, um, yeah, it's a, uh, it's, it would have been a long walk home and it still okay. would have been a, a long time home on the train because it was packed. Right, right. And I would imagine on a day like that, they might have had reduced service, possibly, maybe not as many trains running, possibly. Probably, probably that day. I don't think Anzac yeah. Day since, but yeah. Yeah, probably because they didn't know just... what to anticipate there. But I was going to sure. ask you, I was going to ask you, since it ended up in a draw, whether you made the Bulldog supporter walk home. <laughs> they weren't a supporter <laughs> of either club. Because, you know, you, you both of you were able to say, well, we didn't win, but we didn't lose either, so let's all get in the van. But, you know, hey, you in the blue and red, hoof it home. You're not was, coming with us. I think he was guaranteed a seat okay. the whole time. I don't think anybody was going to make him walk. It wasn't his but, van, um, was it? No. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> he could have said, hey, I've got the keys, so I, I don't care who's not riding with us, but I know I am. That's it. <laughs> it would have been would have been good for him. Yeah, it would, would have been bad for me if I had to drive it. If had to if I had the keys, which I did, and didn't get okay. to drive home, okay. I think my dad would have been upset. You know, it's uh, you mentioned also that there was, uh, and I don't know how tragic this accident was, but you jotted down that there was, um, somebody who took a tumble at the game. Yeah, there was a. Very drunk um, Collingwood supporter who managed now, does, to land. Does, let me ask, before you go any further, does that happen often at games? Not that I've ever seen since. No, I don't mean the the, 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 the the actual falling part. I just mean being the drunk Collingwood supporter at a game. Oh, I'm sure it does, especially <laughs> in the 90s. I think, they, I think they still had full strength beer at that, at that stage. So, so they, yeah. they, don't, they don't anymore? No, it's all white beer at the, at the okay. games. It's... Okay. It's a little so, depressing. So you have to drink twice as much, and you spend half, you spend twice as much time in the in the bathroom. So you in know, the bathroom, so. yeah. Okay, so you had, back to you know there was a, a drunk Collingwood supporter who. So he basically fell from. We were sitting, and Melbourne people will know where this is, in um in the top of the Great Southern Stand, um near the scoreboard, pretty much on the last, um that last section near the near the giant scoreboard. And he fell off of the front of that stand onto the people below him. I'm not sure how far it was, um, but he didn't get to stay for the rest of the game. Um, that was just after halftime. So did he survived? Oh yeah. Okay. I'm not. Okay. I'm not sure how what shape the people that he landed yeah. on were in. Wow. He wasn't I mean, a that... big guy. Okay. Okay, but which I, is I probably was... a good thing. Yeah, I would say I I think you know what are we talking distance wise. 10 meters, 20 meters, do you think? Yeah. I, I don't really know. I mean, it, it could have been three or four. Um, whatever that distance from that, that top stand to the okay, to the so, next one down is. Okay. So it wasn't it wasn't as though they, they fell like 30 feet. It was maybe like, yeah, like falling off of a ladder kind of thing. Feet. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But which is still, you know, I, I had a a coworker who fell off of a, a step ladder in in uh 
at the uh, airport that he he the lo- local airport that he runs that uh, he just fell off of like a three foot step ladder and and just you know turned his ankle into a jigsaw puzzle. So I mean it can certainly happen just depending upon how you land. So I just you know it's wow I just it's uh, I hadn't heard of, heard about that. I mean I I've seen instances where people have tumbled out of the stands at at games previously, um, but you know there was a gentleman about a decade ago at a Texas Rangers baseball game. I remember who was, you know, ball was hit, you know, a home run was hit and he reached over the railing to, to get the ball and went over the railing and went down about 30 feet from where he was down to the concrete pavement and was killed. Um, having, having made that, that fall. And it's, you know, and it was, you know, it could have been a lot worse. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, And I and I understand the uh, you know the the money making aspects of selling. I'm I'm not a drinker, and I'm not I'm not I'm not begrudging anybody who does drink. I'm not a teetotaler saying, you know, hey, don't drink. I'm not I'm not that type of person. I'm I'm somebody who grew up with one whole side of my family were alcoholics. It's just it's just the facts. I and uh, there was a big craze here in the U.S. back in the 1970s, and it's still kind of going on today in a very much smaller sense, but collecting beer cans, mm-hmm. you know, and I've got, I've got still boxed up to this day. They're, they're, uh, they're, they're stored away. I've got over 2000 different ones. I mean, it, when you, when one whole side of your family are alcoholics, that, that's a hobby they love to help you with. Uh, but, you know, I, I just wonder about the, <laughs> the, uh, you know, the idea of, of selling alcohol in those types of situations, because, you know, you see, unfortunately too many instances where where people clash in the stands because in many instances because they've had too much to drink and it's you know it's it's one of those things that i just i've never quite understood it you know if you're going to spend good money to go to uh you know a, a, a football game or to go to a concert that you know why would you want to go there and and be intoxicated with whatever then people say you know the next day well Hey, did you, how was the show? Oh man, it was loud. What'd they play? I don't know, man. There were a lot of lights. You know, you know come on. Just, yeah. <laughs> you're not going to remember much point, about it. Not a lot of point going to something you don't remember. Yeah. It's, it's, I just, I don't get it. I just, it's, uh, it's a, uh, and like I said, I'm not begrudging anybody. I mean, I like the way beer tastes. I just, I just don't have a tolerance for it. If I, if I was to drink, I haven't had a, a beer in, about a year and a half now, but uh, if I drink more than one, I fall asleep. I have no tolerance for for alcohol. It just doesn't. It just does me in. Um, and again, that precludes me ever getting any kind of a uh, beer company doing any kind of ads on my podcast. But uh, so be it. I wasn't, wasn't looking for it. So you, you know, I, I was. Yeah, I'm looking at the the score sheet, and you know, it's you know, Rocca just had a, you know, Sam Rocca had a phenomenal game with you know nine goals, and I I. I know that there were, you know, players back in the in the eighties and such, you know, the, the Dumpstels and the the Ablets who were, you know, you know, Wayne Carries who were kicking, you know, the nine, 10, 12 goals a game regularly. But that that sort of thing doesn't happen a whole lot anymore. You know, you get a No, it was way more common back then. Yeah. It's uh you know, you get a you know, you get a Jack Rewald or a Tom Lynch or a Hawkins or a uh, Harry Mackay, you know, kicking 
a half dozen. And that's, and again, that is a success, a very successful game, but it's not, it pales in comparison to what we, you know, what the game saw in the past then. Um, but, you know, you know, looking at, I mean, it just, it was a slugfest. I mean, you know, Essendon was, you know, they were up by 16 at the half and down 14 at the, uh, at the three quarter break, you know, Collingwood had a, uh, you know, yeah, it was a five goal difference then. It was a seesaw all, all day. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought we'd come in and um, in that last quarter and, and that Essendon had done enough to win it. Right. Um, but, but really on the edge of your seat the entire time, um, the banter between Essendon and Collingwood supporters um, was pretty strong. Every time one of us got in front, mm-hmm. there'd be a, a a fair bit of havoc wreaked on the other um, supporters that were nearby. Well, and and that's to be expected, and For and sure. that's and that's one of the that's one of the things that that I think that you know that American sports fans, you know, people that follow say the NFL, don't necessarily get about the VFL now AFL is that more than half of the, of the entire league is in one state and half of the league is in one city. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. It's when you, when you really think about it, it's, it's just, it's amazing that there's not even more sledging, you know, amongst supporters than there already is because it's, you know, you're, you're literally living side by side. You know, it's, it's, you know, the, you know, the, it's kind of like the, the the footy version of, you know, the Crips and the Bloods and all the different, you know, the different you know, footy gangs, if you will. You know, I, uh, yeah, we used to have those where you club colors to school days and mm-hmm. you'd have 12, 12 different ones every time. Which, you know, which is great because, you know, that means that, the, you know, that the, you know, the clubs are, you know, are maybe reaching with outside of the, 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 the suburb areas of where the clubs are, are, you know, based from, if you will, you know, that's, you know, nice to, you know, get a, uh, you know, a bulldog supporter down in the, you know, the, the Southeastern part of, of Melbourne, you know, on the other side of the, the water, yeah. um, you know, or, you know, getting a Geelong supporter up in, you know, in the, the heart of, of, you know, Melbourne, that type of thing. So it's, it's just, it's, it's just a fascinating, um, set up there and you know you know even you know when you look at you know what goes on with you know with adelaide and with with perth and i i in sydney i, I forgot i was almost going to forget sydney there and to a lesser extent to a much lesser extent i guess you know brisbane and gold coast you know they're fairly close to one another but they don't you know the gold coast fan base is is growing and i you know i i i i'm working on my my previews right now and i and i just i i may have something interesting to say about gold coast coming up here for this year um it may be look forward to that it may be that it may be the time um because last year i tipped i i tipped uh took miller to win the the brownlow and uh well let's just you know i'm just gonna go ahead and say it that you know had the uh you know the match review group in the uh the tribunal you know, maybe had a slightly different decision. He might have finished in second place instead of third. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, that's neither here nor there because I, I I'm still trying to figure out how. You know, I 
you know, with with the the whole thing with Patrick Cripps, you know, it's you know, with that that contact there. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that the league has been trying to get rid of, and they just you know, it was, yeah. You know, they kind of yeah. just they kind of just gave you they kind of gave you the you know, okay yes go ahead you know go 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 with God young man go go win that Brownlow you know because you know you saw Rioli got off back in round one basically doing the same thing against Matt Rawl and you know I guess that was kind of the precedence that was set there so oh well so how did you find your way to New Hampshire because that's a little off the beaten path well I wasn't planning on moving here okay. At all. Um, but I crossed paths with my now wife um, on a music app and we started talking and I didn't uh, didn't want to talk to her particularly. I wasn't that interested, um, but she was persistent. Okay. <laughs> and, we, and we got to talking and um, and once we started talking, that was it. Okay. Um, yeah. So was she, was she living in the U S at the time? Yes. Yep. Wow. So you, you made one heck of a, a leap of faith, if you will. Um, well, we, we did meet before, um, before we, you know, before I made the the move or anything like that. So, yeah. So Um, was this a, was this an app for musicians or just fans of music? Okay. So, so you're, you're both musicians. Uh, yeah, to varying degrees. Okay. Okay. She's a very, she's a very good singer. I, okay. I play a little, so. Okay. So a little, little, uh, New Hampshire version of Sonny and Cher then. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> okay. Um, unfortunately, and I, I, I feel bad bringing that up because I know they do a lot of skiing in New Hampshire and, uh, skiing did not go well for Congressman Sonny Bono. I don't know if you know his history or not, but, I, uh. I think I do. Yeah. yeah, where he skied into a uh, one of the big uh, posts that somebody had taken the pad off of and was was killed. Okay, that's a bit of a downer. Um, so that was. Uh, so what was the when you when you decided to to make the 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 jump to New Hampshire? Now is she, is she from New Hampshire then? Yeah, she was. She was born in the state. Okay. Okay. So. What's when you get to New Hampshire? What's your first mm-hmm. impression? What are you What are you thinking about the 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 area that type of thing? Because New Hampshire, if for those of you in Australia, it is in the far northeastern part of the United States. Um, think about you know very similar situation. You know when the British first showed up somewhere, this was the general area where they were showing up, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so my first impressions. It was August, so I wasn't aware of the winters mm-hmm. at that point um flew into boston thought this looks a lot like melbourne i can i don't mind this place um and i'd actually stayed stayed there for a couple of days um, okay. before we came before we came to new hampshire and it's a amazingly beautiful area i live in the the west of the state i don't live in amongst all the people that are down near boston okay and um yeah so i I loved it, but um, yeah, it's definitely a different place to be in winter mm-hmm. than it is in summer. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and fall, you know, you get, you know, it it is it is a uh, it is ground zero 
tourism-wise in terms of people coming there to see the 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 colored leaves, the leaves changing color and that type of thing. It's just it's it's a whole different tapestry there, you know that that a lot of people don't absolutely. See. Yeah, I don't have to go far. I just need to look out the window and, and fall. It's great. Yeah, it's absolutely absolutely. So you're have you developed a taste for maple syrup? Um, I've always liked maple syrup, but okay. it's, it's very expensive in Australia. Right. So, um, especially if it's imported, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure that there's that many maple trees there. Um, but yeah, my, um, my father-in-law taps his trees, okay. um, in, in the spring and, and we, uh, do pretty well from that. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, I, I can't imagine how, because maple, maple syrup is expensive here in Ohio. So I can't imagine how expensive it would be getting to uh, getting to Australia. I mean, it's kind of like uh, buying Vegemite here, find, finding this stuff here in the states. Um, you know, I uh, I've gone, I've uh, I'm on jar since June of last year. Well, actually, since June of 2021, in June of 2021, I'm that's jar number 17 for me. Wow, yeah, that's an expensive habit. Oh it, oh, it is. Yeah. And it got even more expensive because I, I last year in 2021, around Thanksgiving time, I bought a case of it on Amazon and it was like 60 bucks for 12 jars. And that's, that's not too bad. I've yeah. seen the jars for $20 each. So yeah, but now I, you know, now they're not even, they, they had raised the price up to like $99 a case and then <sighs> it's not even available on Amazon right now. So, um, my wonderful wife and my my sister in law actually uh, my sister in law sent me a couple of jars um, this year when she said you know it's kind of a gag thing but it was it was great she did that but then my wife found a couple of jars for me at a local um, place up in the Cleveland area so I'm because this was my last jar and I was and I had not yet tried the I have a I have a bottle of this the squeeze Vegemite but I haven't opened that yet I haven't tried that one yet because I don't know yeah I just, that's kind of my one in reserve right there but uh, yeah it's I. I I have a little bit and it's, I mean, I, I eat it probably three, four days a week. I have it. Absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. It's, 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 and it's, I'm not, you know, that's not me trying to be patronizing because, Oh, Hey, I do an Australian football podcast. I've no, I absolutely love this stuff. So. It's, yeah. Uh, I can't get my, uh, my family here onto it. Uh-huh. They... Well, it, it is certainly, an, it is certainly an acquired taste. Yeah. Oh, for sure. But if you like, you know, if you like stuff that's a little salty, okay, a lot salty, it's you're gonna you're gonna love it. It's uh, but you know, in moderation, of course. But um, now you you had well, I guess before I get to that, let me you know, you know, you talked about some of the things that you you like about being in the U.S. now. But what what do you miss about not being in Australia? Um, I absolutely miss going to games. Okay. Uh, because and I'm I've been a Patriots fan for quite a while, but I can't afford to go to those games. That's right, right. It's 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 American football to actually go and watch. I can buy a you know a couple of season tickets for what it's gonna cost me for two people to go to the football here. Right, right. So so I miss going to live games. Um I do miss summer mm-hmm. uh, because it it's summer's here summer here is great, but it's not summer back home. Right. Um, and I miss the beaches. I used to live very close to the beach in Perth for a while. Okay. And um, and the best we can do as a 
you know, a lake or a two and a half hour drive. So. Right, right. Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. So, um, have you have you gone to watch any of the clubs in the USAFL? I know there's you got the the Boston Demons and I and the I think the main the main cats. The main cats, they, yeah. Yeah. I haven't haven't managed to. We're gonna try and get there this year. COVID was when I first started looking at the USAFL teams and mm-hmm. um it was pretty hard to get anything happening during twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. Right, right. So I hope so hopefully uh this this year will it'll happen. Yeah, that's uh it's I've been to a few games. Um, you know, I've not been to Australia before, hoping to get there. Uh, but it's 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 fun to see you know the passion that you know that the people here um play with. Uh I had uh I I got to go to a few games in 2021. Um I'm looking at I've got a gentleman's name I want to look up here. Um oh in fact yeah he uh um it's a young man who I saw play back in 2021 with the team from Nashville who would who played college football at Michigan State and is actually plays for the Patriots now. And he was playing okay. the, he was playing in the USAFL and he's he's a tight end and he's uh Matt Sokol. And he's about six foot five, six foot six, and probably weighs about 240, 250 pounds. And he looked like he looked like somebody who could go and compete as a key forward. Yeah, it in Australia, like a good if if he chose to do so, I mean, I, I watched him, I watched him kick a, a ball from about midfield all the way out on the wing, and just drop it right, right to the uh, the forward, right at the, the the top of the goal square. I mean, just like he just took it, take it, taken it, and handed it to him, and just it was just an unbelievable kick. And was, and I and I didn't know who he was at the time. I had to ask. Uh, couple of other people who he was but just was you know a phenomenal effort he, he was just he was a, he was a terrific athlete but he was um he was on somebody he was on jacksonville's practice squad most of last year and i think he got into a few games but then he's with new england this year so yeah he's was, just gone back onto the practice squad a couple oh, has of days he? ago yeah. okay okay but it's you know just great you know he was he was phenomenal to watch uh play that so I'm glad he got those experiences there but yeah he could he would definitely be somebody that that would uh, be tough to tackle if, if he was. Yeah, for was, sure. If he was playing, yeah. So, what what makes what are you? You know, you you said you miss the beaches and you miss you know you miss summertime and I get that I've I've seen you know I've I know I speak to a couple of people that that send me a lot of photos from the Perth area and such and I see the beaches there and it, they look beautiful. What. Uh, when the alarm clock goes off in the morning in New Hampshire, what do you get up and you go, okay, I'm glad that this is around where I live here. What, what, what are you thankful for there? Um, where I am, I, I guess it's the, the peace and quiet. Um, you know, I lived in a city of 2 million for a while. I lived mm-hmm. in a city of four and a half million for a while. This town right. has 13 and a half thousand people. It's not go. a, it's not a big place and I live on the edge of it. Mm-hmm. So um, it's, it's nice and quiet. Um, and maybe I'm appreciating that, appreciating that more as I get older. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, 
I don't mind going outside first thing in the morning. I have to take the dog out for a walk mm-hmm. and, um, and going for a wander through the snow. Um, at, at, well, it's mostly gone now, but a couple of weeks ago, it was up to my knees. So I don't, I don't mind that sort of thing. Um, I quite enjoy it. Um, yeah, it's, it's a great place to be. It's just, um, it's just a very different experience, I guess. Yeah, it's, it would be a different experience for a lot of Americans as well, going from say the Midwest or, you know, the, the, the Southern part of the country, or if you move from Los Angeles to, to New Hampshire, that type of thing, it, it, it would be a bit of a culture shock. I mean, it's, you know, for, for one, you know, if, if I remember, you know, correctly about the, uh, the 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 animals that live up there we have significantly larger drop bears in new hampshire than you have in australia uh very i'm very lucky i haven't seen any of those uh close up but okay i've had a you know close encounter with a raccoon so okay um that's as big as a drop bear as i want to see yeah 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 and they're you know they're uh raccoons can get into everything too i mean they're they're not. A, they'll they'll dig through your your garbage and such. But yeah, I, I, there are there are bears in that part of the country, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so, we've seen a few out on the roads, but yeah, but not but not around where we live, which is the. Although you know, people from the town put up video of them in their yards from time to time, so mm-hmm. it's not out of the question. And I've had so, we've had moose walk through as well, and that's yeah. a that's, that's another a, thing. That's a massive animal right there. Yes. That's a, yeah, that's, that's something that, uh, you kind of, you kind of, when the moose is walking by, you kind of just defer and let him or her go where they want to go because. Yeah. If the dog wanted to chase it and I wanted to go back inside right away. Uh huh. Yeah. So that's what we did. Absolutely. Yeah. You can just tell the dog we'll clean the carpeting, but, uh, we're going to go inside <laughs> because that, that's a really big animal out there. Um, and, and, and those moose can get, a little territorial from what, from what I imagine, I think, especially if it's the time of year when, uh, when, when they're, uh, when it's mating season. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's just, it was just after, after the birth of birthing season. I don't know what we call it here, but, um, and so there was a giant moose, which I didn't see at first uh-huh. and a smaller one that I mistook for a deer in the dim light until I saw the other one. Um, so yeah, it would have, would have only been a few weeks old, I think. Right. Right. Now, do they, and I, and I, I don't know the answer to this question, but I, you know, I know there's a lot of deer hunting here in Ohio, but is there, is there actual like moose hunting in New Hampshire? Not that I know of. Okay. Deer, okay. deer for sure. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not, I'm not sure about moose. Okay. I wasn't, you know, cause I know I have, you know, I have plenty of, uh, you know, friends and students who go hunting and that type of thing and you know we have you know we have school districts you know in different parts of you know the country that will actually you know they'll they'll shut down school like the first couple of days of deer season to allow you know the the kids who are hunters to go hunting because in in many cases you know they're they're filling their their freezer with meat for the winter um yeah with with that you know it's it's not going to the grocery store and you know buying you know you know, steaks and hamburger meat and that type of thing for the winter. They're, they're harvesting a deer or, you know, maybe the dad's getting a deer and the, the child's getting a deer and that's, that's their, that's their protein for the winter time. 
um, which, you know, it's, and of course, you know, that's certainly, you know, the, uh, you know, the license plates in, in New Hampshire is, is a, is a unique, you know, it has, we have, we have a rather unique logo on the new, the New Hampshire license plate for those, uh, those folks in Australia that might not know what, what, what is that logo on the, on the plate? It's live free or die. Yeah, it is. It's yeah, it is. And that, that stems all the way back to the, the time frame surrounding the revolutionary war, you know, that the pushback yeah. against the British. So it's, a uh, it's, 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 it's an interesting saying. Yeah. It's, uh, they say it a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I can imagine they do. And, and it's interesting because as you said, you live in the Western part of the state and just to the West of you is a state that is maybe it's, it's, it's you could maybe make the argument that it's kind of San Francisco with pine trees. Uh, mm -hmm. It's a it's a little bit more liberal than uh, and and I'm not I'm not saying you know good bad indifferent about either state. I'm, you know my 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 sister in law and her family you know lived in in Vermont for many many years. It's absolutely beautiful there, but yeah, it's just it's, over the river from me. Yeah, so. it's, but it's 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 a different mentality in in a lot of cases. It is. Yeah. But it's it's you know you you live in an absolutely beautiful part of the country, um, and if if you're somebody who's into the outdoor type stuff, it's a great place to do it. Uh, but you're right, you don't have the beaches that you 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 might be. I think we've got 14 miles of coastline, so there's not a lot to choose from in this state. No, and it's probably rather rocky, I would imagine as well. And it's pretty cold too, even in July. Yeah. I can imagine that. Um, yeah, in the, in the water, the the um, Atlantic Ocean up here is freezing. Right, you're not so. going to get a lot of uh, a lot of very warm weather there or warm waters there, especially you know, with those currents coming up the the uh, the the east coast of the country. There, you know, it's a lot of the continent. There's a lot of a uh, lot of a lot of cold water there. Of course, mm. not being too far from Maine, you know. I imagine lobster's a little bit cheaper there than it would be here. I think so. Yeah. Have you, are you, are you a lobster fan? Um, I don't eat a lot of lobster, but uh, from time to time, we spend a bit of time in Maine. So okay. when we're uh, over there in the summer, okay, it's uh, always good. So is there ever, and I, and you can just tell me to go stick it in my ear and, and you don't want to talk about this and, um, has there ever been a uh, discussion between you and your wife about one day maybe moving to Once Australia? Once a week. Once a week, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Usually in the wintertime, right? Uh, Usually in the wintertime or, <laughs> yeah, when things are a bit mad politically. When a in the yard. <laughs> <laughs> Every election, let's get out of here. I can't do okay. another okay well you know and that's funny you bring that bring that up because i you know for those of you that don't know I, I i and you i don't think you necessarily know this but i i've been a high school government teacher for 29 years so i i follow politics rather closely and new hampshire is in many ways it's it's ground zero in this country every four years and uh it's uh it's kind of like the, yeah. the little girl in the movie Poltergeist looking into the television and turning around, you know, it's coming here in about 10 months where she's going to turn around and say, they're here. 
because all the people who are going to be running in 2024 are going to be showing up in New Hampshire and Iowa and South Carolina, because those are the, well, at least I think they may be making some changes, but those are typically the first three states that help to decide who the candidates are going to be. So I take it you're not a big fan of the primary season and all of the people coming in glad handing and that sort of thing. It's just so many political ads and for such a long time. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's, you know, I'm sure we're about to start getting them for the 2024 round mm-hmm. any, any day now. Yeah, and that's, uh, that's one of the nice things about being able to record things on your DVR is you can skip over those. <laughs> exactly. You can, you can just hit that fast forward button and go right past them. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun to be able to just skip over those. But, but some, some of them are rather funny to, you know, to, to watch because you're just thinking, you know, and I tell my kids, I said, you know, every, every campaign commercial, we watch examples of some of them in class. I said, there's always a little small kernel of truth surrounded by a whole bunch of bull crap. Because there's there's always that little bit of truth that they're where they're telling you, you know, something that's accurate, but they might be misconstruing it just a little bit. So you have to, you have to that, and that's why I I tell the kids I said, it's hard to be a citizen in this country because you have to put forth some effort. You know, you have a say so here. It's hard to be a citizen in a country like Australia because you have a say so in terms of who the people are that are that are running your government. And I tell them I said, yeah. You know, it's easy to be, you know, you want to, you want to go somewhere where it's easy to be a citizen, move to North Korea. It's easy to be a citizen there. Yeah, you don't have to do anything. You don't have any rights. You don't have any say, so just keep your head down. It's, um, I don't have many people listening in North Korea, so uh, I don't have any, but um, it's, it's just, I said, you, it, it takes some effort on your part, it t- you know, wh- wherever you live, you know, whatever your political views are. And it, it and I, and I, I, I don't care what my, I want my students to develop their own views. I mean, in teaching here, grab cakes, you know, catches a lot of heat. And there's a lot of it's been in the news lately about, you know, different, you know, viewpoints being projected and such. And I tell my kids from day one, my goal for the end of the year is that you find something you give a damn about. I don't care what your views are. I don't care what your opinion is, is on whatever that issue. I just want you to be as informed as possible. I want you to find something that you're passionate about, whatever it is, whatever the viewpoint on it, but it be as well informed as you can be on it, whatever it is. So if that happens, I'm a happy camper. We've accomplished something. Yeah, that's a win. So gets right back to that live free or die. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, which, um, so while I've got you here, you are you are an Essendon supporter. I are am. You, yeah. Are you is. Let me ask you this: Is the glass half full, or is it half empty right now? Or did somebody knock it off the table and it smashed into a million pieces? I think it got knocked off the table about ten years ago. Um, <laughs> but I'm hoping that it's going to be half full this year. Okay. Let's let's put it that way. I'm not okay. I'm not expecting to see that Twitter account that's however many days since Essendon won a uh-huh. final go- right. disappear anytime soon. But um, I'm definitely um, hopeful that will have a better performance than we have for the last six or seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's been rough. And uh, I was, I guess I was blessed to grow up in Melbourne in the eighties and nineties and, and, you know, see four premierships. Right. Right. Um, when, when your team was suffering really, yeah. and, and they've come good. So I'm hoping that that will come good shortly. Well, because, I, uh, I think it's going to be, I think it can, can tend to be cyclical for 
lots of clubs. I mean, you know, of course, I'm a Cleveland Browns fan, so you know, not this may not be applicable everywhere, uh, but uh, but you know, it's yeah, I'm look, I, I'm looking at the, it. I think it's you're going to be hard pressed to 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 have a, a clear cut, you know, you know, predicting who's going to be in the eight. Because I, I yeah. think you could, I think you could, you know, arguably you could make solid arguments for probably thirteen or fourteen clubs getting into the eight. You know, there may be a few that that probably aren't going to get there. I'm not going to mention them, but uh, you know, but there's probably a few that are not likely to get there. But there are a lot that, quite frankly, they could make that leap. Yeah, and and I've tried doing my prediction for the end of the season. Mm-hmm you know, four or five times at this point, and it's different every time. So yeah. I, I definitely agree with you there. Any any one of 14 teams could could be in the eight. Um, and I don't know what the outcomes are going to be when they get there. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So are, are you what, – what were your thoughts, you know, I guess you know, since I, I have you here, you know, about the way that uh, the club – handled the dismissal of uh ben rutten yeah it it was a it was pretty rough the the handling and i guess they had their reasons but i'm not sure what they were uh-huh um i i think they made a last ditch effort to try and get alistair clarkson and right, i don't right. think he was ever going because i'm pretty sure he hates essendon um from being a north melbourne player when the rivalry mm-hmm. was probably at its highest, although the Essendon players will say there's no rivalry. Um, yeah, so I, I just can't see, I couldn't see Alistair Clarkson ever coming to the Bombers. So I think if they were going to sack Ben Rutten, then they should have probably just done it on the spot. Yeah. Instead of, instead of holding him off for, I think it was a couple of weeks. Yeah, because he, you know, he finished out the last, he coached the last game of the season. And uh, and then it was, you know, I think it was right after that they decided to to sack him. You know, it was within yeah, a day it or definitely so. dragged. It yeah. definitely dragged yeah. out what seemed to be um, an impossible um, decision to go back on anyway. Okay. Once once they'd done what they had. So okay. yeah, I mean, I wasn't happy with it. I've still paid my membership for this year. Um, mm-hmm. Well, because, well, because you need to get the Watch AFL app. Of course, you get to do your membership. Of course, yeah. And I paid for my kids' memberships too. So okay, so they're all they're all set for the year. Um, but yeah, we um, yeah, we could do a lot of things better as a club at the moment. Okay, but okay. I'm hoping that, that all of that's behind us. Okay, two more two more questions I have for you before we wrap up here. Um, sure. One kind of deals with New Hampshire again. So you know, we've kind of talked about the different seasons there. But if you had, if if somebody from Melbourne was coming to visit New Hampshire, mm-hmm. what what time of year would you recommend that they come? And what what are a couple of things that they can't miss seeing? Um, I would say, unless they're a mad skiing person okay um that probably come in that sort of around the start of july okay here the, the leaves are on the trees the sun's out it's done all it's raining in june hopefully um 
And then I would say, like, get out on a boat on Lake Winnipesaukee. Okay. Um, it's pretty cliche for New Hampshire, but it it is an amazing lake um, to be out on, and it's it's huge. Um, then, yeah, spend some time um, up in the White Mountains um, in the north of the state. And I'm probably, I'd actually probably say, if they're here long enough, go to go to Vermont when the leaves are falling. Okay. And um, I mean, it's it's good here, but there's a lot less people and a lot more trees there. Okay. So you can't beat that. All right. And my, my the last question. This is one I like to ask uh, quite a bit, and I think it mm-hmm. is applicable since you said you are, you know, somebody who's involved at least on the periphery with music. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you have been tasked with, uh, holding a music festival. Okay. And, uh, you are inviting three acts to perform. Who's coming to play at your music festival? Do they have to be currently alive? Might sound better that way, but doesn't have to be. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, Elvis doesn't hit those long notes anymore like he used to. No, but, uh... that's that's it. So if they ha- if they if they have to still be able to play, um, and it's not just in their prime, uh, <laughs> um, oh, it's it's tough. I would, and I was a bit of a '90s kid, so I'd probably say Nirvana, okay, Green Day, okay, and currently Foo Fighters, okay be for me okay so or, or maybe little, weezer as a backup so okay yeah. little, little little bit of a connection back to nirvana there with Foo fighters yeah it's uh mm. which uh in fact you know they you know that was very sad and i i've i'm not i'm not somebody who follows Foo fighters all that much i was never you know i'm a little older than you are so nirvana kind of i kind of miss nirvana uh-huh. um but as close as i got with nirvana was Soundgarden. uh yeah they were great too yeah but uh you know that you know that that show that you know that that the Foo Fighters were able that they played in Geelong and then the drummer passed away. Is it, is it Taylor Hawkins? Is that Taylor Hawkins? Yeah, yeah. That he passed away sadly not too long after that show was was performed there. Um, but uh, that's not a bit. That's probably the most contemporary one that I you know every time I've asked that question, that's probably the most contemporary bands. Now, was Nirvana the one that you were asking if if they were still around? <laughs> Or was there... uh, well, Nirvana and Foo Fighters, like this, oh, well, okay. a... you know, yeah, remember missing, oh, yeah, from both, of course, yeah, so... yeah, okay, that's a, that's a... yeah, that's uh, not seen any of the three of them, but uh, you know, last uh, I got to a show about 11 months, gosh, it's been almost 11 months ago now, um, was uh, Volbeat and Ghost, uh, which are you know. Little, little bit different, but uh, Ghost a is a very yeah. little Ghost, a very interesting band to see live. Really enjoyed them. They were they were a lot of fun. But uh, um, this has been this has been a lot of fun, Drew. I I I love the what Anzac Day represents, and I and I I I try you know in my very small way to 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 pay tribute uh, to 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 the. The veterans and and such on Anzac Day. I always like to, to put out a little note on the podcast about that because it's it's you have to you know you have to you know pay you know respect to to the people who were willing to you know to 
to pick up the the mantle of of, of protecting their country, whether it be Australia, whether it be New Zealand, whether it be the United States, you know, that, that they had the the courage of their conviction to go and do that sort of thing. And it's it's um and I I think that that the Anzac game is is I think a great way to to pay tribute to these men and women. Uh that that it, and I completely understand why it it there was a reluctance to do it early on. But I, I I think would you agree that it that it that the time that with the ninety five game that the time was kind of right to to do that? Sort it of was thing? yeah, it was certainly very good timing. Um, the the football going public was on the increase. Mm-hmm. Um, there's that patriotic feel around Anzac Day. Um, I've been to a few since, and um, flown into Melbourne first thing in the morning gone to a dawn service and then waited around to go to go to the game later mm-hmm. like basically at lunchtime i think it is yeah and um and that the whole day the um the pre-game entertainment by the military mm-hmm. bands and and that, that they have play and it's it's all first class um and in the right spirit so yeah it was definitely the a really good time to to do that and um yeah, Kevin Sheedy is to be commended for his work with the RSL on it. Yeah, it's 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 the, you know those folks that 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 do that uh, that yeoman's work, if you will, to to look out for people who have served or to you know help out you know families you know who of you know people who would served that maybe did not come back. Um, it's 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 great to see those those kinds of of organizations out there that are helping with that sort of thing. You know, whether it be like the Veterans Administration here, which is the government one, but like the, the VFW, the Veterans mm. of Foreign Wars or the American Legion here in the United States. You know, I'm sure that there are groups like that in Australia as well. Um, and we see quite a bit, you know, uh, you know when, when there's not a campaign commercial on in uh, New Hampshire, I'm sure you probably see ads for you know, like the, you know, the Wounded Warrior Foundation and things like that 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 pop up on yeah, absolutely the television all the time. You know to to help out you know people who've been you know whose bodies have been traumatized by conflict. So I know we're already on a bit of a downer here, but uh, this is this is a uh, you know I I said I do I do think Yanzac is just is that whole idea of having that day of remembrance and just you know honoring those people I, I think it is just is a top-notch thing to do and I, I I love the fact that uh that the clubs do this I I, I guess it has to stay Collingwood and Essendon right this is not something that it, that they can they can't rotate clubs through this right it's just become tradition you, it, it I mean it has it's where yeah we're um 26 years into it mm-hmm now yeah um i think 26 27 my math's not that great right now <laughs> um and yeah it really uh, i would hate to see it change but i'm sure there are other clubs that are just as deserving the melbourne the richmond game on the the night before has turned mm-hmm. into something special as well and um i'm sure that there's probably more opportunities for the um non-victorian clubs to to take advantage of, especially when it falls on a weekend. 
Right, um, right. I, I, I think it's a great thing when they, when they all get to play and have that moment of silence and um and pay their respects before basically battling it out. Yeah. And, you know, they call it the Anzac spirit. It's 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 not the same as being at war, but but it is uh always fought out hard on the field. Yeah. So that's true. That's true. Well, Drew, I want to thank you for taking time out of your evening, sir. This has been a lot of fun. Uh I I hope you don't have to shovel for a while. Um, not so far. Okay. I hope you you know it's uh I, I don't have a snowblower and, and fortunately all of our, our snow is gone. Uh, but it's, uh, it's now just all mud. I wish it would either just, you know, snow over, snow over or freeze over or dry out. Just you know, pick, pick one of the two instead of the, the rain. I can, I'd rather not have the rain, but I guess, you know, as we, as I said, you know, we had about, uh, we had about 15 degrees Celsius here today. So early January, that's not bad. I'll, I guess I can't that's... complain about that. It's almost summer. Yeah, it is. It is. I, uh, I, I was tempted to, to wear shorts when I took my dogs out for a walk today, but I, I'm, I'm a little pasty right now. So that's not, uh, that's not something I wanted to do. So ladies and gents, my, my guest has been Drew Denholm. Uh, we've been talking about the, uh, Anzac game, the original Anzac game from 1995. Uh, and he did get home from that game safely. Uh, the van took him back where he needed to go. So um i thank you for coming on man thank you for having me appreciate it you bet this is this is this is a great deal of fun i appreciate it cheers all right drew thanks so much for taking time out to chat with me again sir that was a great deal of fun uh great to learn you know that your your wife is a uh an educator as well um and that you had that long distance relationship significantly longer than than mine my wife and i met online way before that was a uh, a commonplace uh gosh 28 years ago now it's been a long time that was when we still had dial-up internet and quite frankly she was a much more expensive date then than she is now <laughs> she doesn't listen to the podcast so she's not going to hear that uh <laughs> So, folks, uh, remember that you can find everything related to the podcast over at my website, ayankonthefooty.com. You can get on the mailing list there. If you like the show, it it would be very helpful if you could leave a review. If you really like what the, the show is all about, you could head over to the, uh, the website, and then you can actually click on the leave a review there. You can leave a review right on the website page, or it'll take you right to uh, Spotify's page or to the Apple podcast page where you can leave a review there as well. This lets me uh, demonstrate kind of my bona fides that people like what I'm doing with regards to the show. Um, if you have uh, an idea for a guest for the podcast, maybe it's yourself, please drop me a note there as well. Um, if you want to help out the show uh, and help keep the lights on, so to speak, uh, which they were out at our house a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it got pretty chilly in our house. It got down to about 8 degrees Celsius in the house for about 12 hours. It was really cold. Uh, but you can click on the little yellow Buy Me a Coffee button in the bottom left-hand corner or pick up a sticker or a T-shirt or a coffee mug or a pair of socks uh, for the podcast up there at the storefront page as well. Now, again, um, folks... Look out for one another. Check up on your friends. Make sure they're okay. Tell them you love them. The holiday season is over and you probably were in contact with them, but 
now we're uh, we're in the midst of the the doldrums of winter here in North America, and summer is in full effect in uh, Australia. But it is the new year. Let your friends know you love them. Check up on them. Take them out for a coffee. Keep your thoughts and prayers for the the people up in the Kimberley region, up in uh, the northern part of WA. There's a significant amount of flooding going on up right there right now. Uh, Michael Gallus uh, has been showering, showing and sharing a lot of, uh, I said showering, which is not quite the right word there, uh, a lot of uh, photographs of the, the Nunkaba cattle station where he spent several months uh, working this past year. And uh, the floodwaters look like they have maybe crested and peaked where they're going to get to, but it's gotten very close to them. So again, folks, I do appreciate the kind words that you share with me about the podcast. If you could share an episode, put it out on your socials, tell your friends about it. Word of mouth is the best way to help to grow the podcast. You know, and again, this is you know this is not a huge show by any stretch of the imagination, but that doesn't mean that it can't be. And you could certainly help with that by sharing an episode or telling your friends about it, telling them about your your favorite interview that I've done. Be absolutely fantastic. And ladies and gentlemen. Until next time, may your dribble kick never hit the post. I will catch you later. This has been episode 219 of A Yank on the Footy. Don't forget again that you can reach me at yank underscore on on Twitter or to yankonthefooty at gmail.com. You can also find me on Facebook as my name, Craig Wessels, or A Yank on the Footy podcast. I'm also on Instagram at A Yank on the Footy. And if you head over to my website, ayankonthefooty.com, you can find me there as well. And I'm even on LinkedIn, too. So please reach out. Love to talk to you. Love to get your story out there. Uh, I'm going to be sitting down to begin my club preview episodes here very soon. I'm trying to line up uh, some club-specific podcasts to come on and uh, talk about uh, their clubs coming forward here into 2023. And, folks, thanks for listening, and I hope, hope again that you'll share the podcast. And until next time, goodbye.